maybe as you listen to those people from the Bible that Jesus had touched and spoken to and healed, maybe it made you think about all the other stories that are in the Gospels, so many powerful stories of how Jesus stepped into people's lives and changed them. Maybe when you heard those stories, you thought about the way that Jesus has changed your life, the way that he has healed you. Or maybe you're still waiting. A lot can change in just a few short days, you know. People can go from wanting to put you on a throne to putting you on trial. Or one surrounded by friends who would follow you anywhere to facing unbelievable, unbelievable hardships and difficult times. A lot can happen in just a few days. Making plans for a vacation and then getting a cancer diagnosis. Or seemingly on top of your game and then your secret sin gets found out. A lot can change in a few days. Like the weather in Minnesota. Right? We've had spring, winter, and we get summer, I think, next weekend or something. I don't know. It's hard to keep track of. But you want to take advantage of it in Minnesota when the weather is good, when it isn't 50-mile-hour winds, and before the bugs get here. And so that's what my Deborah and I were doing last Saturday. It was, it was nice enough out. And so we decided that we'd go out and start working at getting everything cleaned up and ready. We live on a lake and getting everything ready for the lake, raking, doing all the work that we needed to do. And we've got uh, on our property, we had a cabin that was right beside the house, a little cabin, and we had to actually remove that and have it demolished according to county rules. And so we did, but we left this, the fireplace that was in it is huge. It's this big fireplace, so it's like our fire pit. And after we got tired of working, we decided to sit down there and just rest for a little bit. And then Deborah spied, there was this wire that was coming out of one of the plants that was close to us, and it was an electric wire with black electric tape around it. And she said, is that thing live? I mean, can, can we do something with that? And I said, actually, I, I talked to the electrician, and I had him come out and test everything, and there's nothing live anymore. So she said, well, can we get rid of it? And I said, well, sure. So I went to the garage, and I got one of my six tools, Brought my wire cutters out, and they got rubber handles. And I cut it off and did that. She didn't like that very much. She didn't think it was funny. But I, I got that, and I said, you know, I said, there's some other wires around here. I said, I'd like to get rid of two. And so I waltzed off over to the garage, right in front of the garage. We've got these two wires that were been dangling there and everything. And, and I thought, I'll get rid of those. And, and now we don't have cable. Which this is a big deal because the Timberwolves are in the playoffs. And now I don't have cable. Disconnected. It's kind of a big deal, but not, not even close to being disconnected from the one who created us. The one who gives us life and purpose and hope. The one who tells us who we are. 
on the night before this day, Jesus was in the upper room with the disciples and, and he said, I have something important that you need to hear. I am the vine and you are the branches. If anyone remains in me and I in them, they will bear much fruit. You know, the stuff that lasts, that's eternal. But apart from me, you can do nothing. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Greater love has no one than this when a man's life is laid down for his friends. And you're my friends if you love like I've loved. So Jesus knew that that's what we needed. That's why he came was to reconnect us to the Father. And he said, apart from me, you can't do anything. You've got to stay connected. But the Timberwolves are in the playoffs. So I had to do something. So I, I called our service provider. And I said, hey, uh, do you think you could come out and do a service call? He says, sure. He says, uh, you know, is it something with the router? Is the house? What's going on? I said, well, actually, actually I, I know what the problem is. I, uh, I, cut, I cut the cables. And he said, what? I said, yeah. I said, I didn't know that's what it was, but it, these two cables that come out of the cement right in front of our garage, I cut them, and I only left like a quarter of an inch. And he said, okay, okay. He says, well, I tell you what, here's what you can do. He says, don't don't call anybody or hire anybody. It'll cost you a lot of money. But if you can just cut about a 12 by 12 uh, square around the cables and you break up the cement there and then give me a call and I'll come and I'll splice it back together and bury it underground for you and I'll do it for free. I'm like, you're a nice guy. Thank you very much. I hung up and then I Googled how to break up concrete. steel cold chisel and a two pound hammer I got a three pound hammer because and I got a diamond tip blade for my little dremel saw and I cut the line to score it first and then nothing I couldn't get it to break so I found it harder two hours and all I got was an inch deep in the cement. You can quit laughing so hard, Todd. <laughs> Fun fact, uh, cement gets harder over time, and it never stops. It keeps getting harder and harder. All the stuff the Romans built, they've actually tested it. It's still getting harder. I wasn't going to get anywhere. Neither are we. You think cement's that way. Our hearts are worse. God knew that we weren't going to be able to do anything and we are just going to get tired of trying. He knew it all along. He predicted it. He prophesied it in, in Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? This is who God was going to send. He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of the dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. 
He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. This is who God is going to send. A wounded man? How can a wounded man heal anybody? So after the cable episode, we called Jesse, who is uh, one of the marine sports guys that uh, we deal with because we wanted to put in a new section of dock. And I said, I got some questions for you. He said, so I'll kind of make it quick. I'm going to be on my lunch break. And so I asked him a few questions, and then, and then I asked him a couple more questions. And I said, thank you for your time. He says, well, I have one question for you. I said, okay, what is it? He said, did you used to live at 216 whatever street in Madison Lake? And I'm like, no. Yeah, I, I, I did. He says, yeah, it was like 15 years ago. He says, you sold that house to me. I'm still getting your mail and I throw it away. It's kind of funny, except for that was my divorce house. That was the little house in the little town that I could afford that I went to because I thought life was over. My plan was I was going to get a dog, learn how to fish, drink wine, and write poetry. That was my plan. But somehow... Somehow, over the last 15 years, this wounded man has healed me. I don't know how he did it, but he did. I'm here with you now. Got my Deborah, and we laugh at stuff like cutting cables. I'm a new man. I'm a changed man. I, I don't know how a wounded man heals anybody. But he does. Jesus, how can a wounded man heal anybody? How can a dead man bring another to life? This is so far beyond my little brain's comprehension to grasp how wide and long and high, how deep your love must be to fully accomplish such wonderful things for me, for me your own woundedness. For me, your last healing breath. For me, your death that put an end to death. I guess the question to ask if we want to get real is not how can a wounded man heal, but why in the world would he? When I'm wounded, I just want to make the other person bleed or hide away in the shadows so I'm never hurt again, but not you, not you. The wounded man, the word became flesh, crushed for the cost of my sinful depths, pierced for what I've willingly transgressed. What made you step into our ungodly mess and silently suffer, sorrowed, oppressed? It must have been the heartbreaking beating in your chest as you drug the cross along on weakened, bloodied frame to a wretched place, arms outstretched in agony and pain. 
where the truth and triumph were finally revealed. Your love made you do it. And by your wounds, we're healed. Oh, mercy is our medicine. We're all wrapped in gauze like grace. And the remarkable reason that I'm alive and well is that your wounded love took my place. And I don't even know what to say. You heal, and I'm amazed. I don't know how a wounded man heals anybody, but he does. He has, and he will. And I think what Jesus is asking us to do is just to come and pour ourselves into him. Pour all of your life into him. Your disappointments and your losses, your grief, your broken families, the relationships that are falling apart, your fear, your anxiety, your depression, your addictions, all of it, everything. Jesus says, come, pour it into me. And what comes pouring out from him through the holes in his hands and his feet and his side and and from where the crown of thorns was on his head, what pours out is mercy and love and grace and compassion and healing. I don't know how the wounded man is going to heal us all, but he will. He started healing you in your baptism from the first day. And he's not going to quit until it's completed. Until he heals everything, even the sting of death. By his wounds we're healed. And the exclamation point that is yet to come is Easter Sunday. But for now, Let's turn our eyes once again to the cross and the wounded man who heals. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be King of the Jews. And Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scriptures might be fulfilled that said, they divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garments. 
And so this is what the soldiers did. And near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, this is your son. And to the disciple, Here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. And later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit.